Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole for episode 66. It is August the 4th, 2020, into the eighth month of the year. And again, a lot of the country still uh, being pinned down a little bit with the COVID-19 pandemic. Numbers on a, a slight uptick in some areas, a more larger uptick in others. Uh, we're going to take this opportunity today, though, to kind of go back and review an event that both David and I and a number of other people were able to enjoy at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course, the 2020 USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard happening uh, just this past weekend at the iconic IMS in Speedway, Indiana. It was an amazing weekend. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of smiles you see through their eyes because everybody, of course, had masks on for a mass, vast majority of the time. But we're going to get underway. we got a lot to talk about here, and we'll talk a little bit about what's happened with the Indianapolis 500 as well just before we came onto the broadcast here. Uh, word coming down that this year's 500 being shot out to fans. Of course, the numbers going up a little bit in Indiana. Indiana health officials, you know, being I think a little more, not a lot, say a lot more cautious in terms of having uh, potentially you know 60, 70, 80,000 people at the speedway. This particular edition of the EKN debrief, episode sixty-six, brought to you by Briggs and Stratton. Briggs and Stratton is powering Operation Grassroots around the world. No other engine manufacturer is getting new and returning drivers to the car track like the Briggs 206. The out-of-the-box performance of the Briggs 206 provides the most fun, excitement, and reliability of any karting engine on the global market. Learn more about the 206 engine and the history behind Briggs and Stratton's century-long commitment to motorsports at www.briggsracing.com. Briggs and Stratton Racing. What powers you? Well, David Cole, you and your dad, Bob, uh, made the, the trek back from Indianapolis back to Grand Rapids uh, on Sunday nights. I actually headed straight here, actually to the hotel, then straight over here to our essentially Newcastle headquarters, the Airbnb we have in Newcastle for uh, this coming weekend and the following weekend, Scusa uh, Summer Nationals or Festival of Speed to get their pro tour in. But David, four-hour uh, four drive home, I think something like that for you guys, a little under four hours to get a chance to, to chat around with your dad. It was, uh, it really was. Uh, an overall awesome weekend once again at Indianapolis. Any day you go under the tunnel for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is a good day. Whether it's rain, whether it's dry, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, just being at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is a good day. And in order to uh, to take part in a karting event inside the Brickyard is just amazing and certainly a great bucket list that we notched off last year. And we just knew we had to return for 2020. And thankfully we were able to do that uh, in this strange and unusual time that we're living in right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Fourth edition of the event, as you said, you and I went last year and it was like, it was immediately as soon as it came out, whatever the schedule was, we're going to try to get it. I'm of course worried about maybe a conflict with the IndyCar and Road to Indy program. You were looking at a couple of your other races as well people in the karting industry working together to kind of make sure that the battle of the brickyard was going to be able to happen, which I think was awesome. Fourth edition of the event. But David, I know as a 51 year old dude trying to run two classes, I was very happy. We didn't have the high heat that we had last year. It was much more comfortable temperatures all weekend long compared to last year. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, last year, just doing the one class, I was, uh, I was pretty, uh, hot and, and warm and, and kind of just beat up because, you know, it's just, it's just that temperature and the humidity, you know, takes a lot out of you this year. Um, you know, obviously we're dealing with possibility of rain every single day. We had it uh, Thursday during the move in. So we had to, uh, you know, kind of dodge 
to the raindrops while setting up tents and, and getting things ready. But, uh, but yeah, the lower temperatures uh, certainly helped uh, allow to make it a little bit easier, especially on us older guys. Uh, yeah. And then, and then me doing two, two classes this year at, uh, it, uh, it was, it was pretty busy Friday. That's for sure. Now I, I understand the, uh, the, uh, the hustle and bustle and why you were sweating so badly, uh, last year, but, uh, cause I, I never took the suit off, you know, it was jump out of one and then walk over to the other pit, get that one ready and then go out. And it was really not a lot of time to, uh, to relax and, and chill. And so obviously the multi-class, uh, route is it, it's more work but it's more fun because you get the opportunity to get out on the racetrack more than just that uh that one per class yeah no doubt about it you said pretty busy on friday three practice rounds and qualifying on friday and like you said the i, I was in the margay ignite masters class and the briggs 206 masters class and there was only one gap so i would come in for so many guys 33 34 guys in mark in the margay i would come in immediately park my cart off into the grass i wouldn't even go to the scales yet i would run over Hop into the hop into the the uh, the Briggs cart, the Comet Eagle, uh, and then wait you know five minutes before we went out for that next session. Then I'd be weighing two carts at the same time coming through, but both practicing and qualifying. It was uh, it was a hectic day on Friday, but David, lots of seat time too. You know, in an event of this size with a number of categories, I don't even know the number of classes all, all total. It had to be probably around somewhere around twenty. Um, I'm sure you'll know the number when we get when we get to that in a second. A lot of track time. Those, those short now short practice rounds, three four laps. That's all you really got. But then seven lap heat race, a ten lap pre final, and that was a fourteen lap main events on Sunday. There was a lot of time on the racetrack. I thought. Yeah, eighteen categories filled up the schedule. Obviously, uh, the race groups were were put together. So uh, overall, I think. That, let me let me look at the thing there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve race groups. There you so go. twelve okay. race groups. So eighteen classes, twelve race groups. Twelve race groups, a lot. But uh, as you said, the way they they kind of time things out, it still provided you with with a lot of track time, especially with the racing laps. You know, getting uh, you know seventeen in the two heat races total, and then fourteen laps for for your main event. Not to mention the uh, the qualifying sessions, which you know were were a bit chaotic for us, but. Uh, um, yeah, it was, yeah, we'll get more into that later, but, um, it was, uh, yeah, plenty of track time. And again, it's, you know, we're doing, you know, the, the shifters and tags were just, you know, under a minute, you know, we're doing, uh, you know, minute seven, I think in, in the Briggs a minute nine in the ignite. So, uh, <clears throat> it's a, it was, it's a very, it was a very fast track and that's something we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more in the paddock. Yeah, let, let's move to our buy, our buy the numbers. Where we'll kind of break down all the different categories. Uh, what I, I found stunning, and I think, um, I, and I'm sure that the people at USAC Karting kind of lamenting the fact that the COVID-19 did do what it do, because we had we had only 21 less entries. Uh, 454 entries last year, 300, uh, 435 entries this year, David. And that's ca- not counting the countless Canadians that, that were coming down. I had talked to a number of Canadians that wanted to come down and run, um, and they just weren't able to do that this year. Uh, and I think with Briggs being so strong up in Ontario and Quebec, and even on the West Coast as well, you were going to have a lot more people. Just you would have had more people coming from all over the country. But with the you know the COVID scare and kind of the shutdown and everything that happened, to have just you know twenty one less, still four hundred and thirty five entries. It could have been even more. Yeah, not yeah. You as you said, the Canadians weren't able to come down, but it was also you know a lot of people are are limiting on their travel. Uh, they're restricted from from going outside the state or or 
being able to be allowed around mass gatherings. So uh, it certainly had an effect on the overall numbers. But thankfully, as you said, only 19 less than last year, which only adding one extra class really is, you know, kind of a, a, a great number in the in the whole grand scheme of things. As you said, with this COVID pan, uh, COVID-19 pandemic, it could have been a lot worse. But, you know, that's something that we're, we're seeing with carters and, and the carting business is people, you know, people are not afraid to to get to the cart track or or continue supporting their their carting businesses that they enjoy working with. And and, you know, our our sport is still growing. No, despite this this COVID nineteen pandemic that we're in right now, and especially at this level, you know, uh, you know, talking to Mike Burrell and Jason Burgess last year, they felt very comfortable calling the Battle of the Brickyard kind of the country's biggest club race, right? It it, it, it wasn't to try to downplay it, but it was the fact that the people there are the are that that base, the foundation of the sport, the foundation of the pyramid. That's who's coming to this event. Yeah, there's a couple of big teams that were coming in as well, a lot of big couple of big drivers, but for the most most part, this was that this big kind of huge club race that everybody could come to at the most iconic racetrack in the world. Numbers wise, David, like folks, if you weren't there, you obviously are following on social a little bit. Just listen to the numbers here right now. David's got some 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 percentage at the bottom. And I'll throw that out to begin with. Sixty six percent of the entries on the Briggs and Stratton two hundred six. So that again plays well to Operation Grassroots. Uh, Sixty drivers in Briggs two hundred six Masters, David, our, our our class up five from last year. Sixty drivers uh, up four in Briggs two hundred six Junior to thirty one. 59 in Briggs 206 medium. That's only down three. Down nine in Briggs 206 heavy. Maybe guys moving different ways. 52. And then the Ignite category, David, uh, junior, senior, and masters. 79 drivers in total. 11 juniors up one. 33 masters up three. And 35 Ignite seniors. Down significantly for Margie Ignite senior, which I found kind of interesting that we wouldn't have had more. But maybe that's partly some of the drivers in Ignite senior may have traveled down to the winter winter series in Scusa. Like you said, budget numbers a little bit, but the bottom line was 79 drivers in Ignite. Unbelievable numbers in the 206 classes. Again, that's another category that could possibly be due to the traveling travel restrictions because yeah. it's that category is obviously more geared towards that arrive and drive program that Margate provides. But there were a number of competitors that were pitting just out of their own trailers with the Ignite package. So we're start that's what we're starting to see more. We're not yeah. seeing as many arrive and drive programs. Uh, under the Margate tent because they're everybody's buying one and keeping one for at, for at home and racing at the home track or or just uh, for these events alone. I do think as well potentially you know Margate uh, in their tent. Of course, I ran with them last year at the Battle of the Brickyard as well, and they had social distancing within the tent as well. And I'll, I'll take this opportunity now. We'll talk more about the time we had me racing in the in the Margate Night Crew. But I'm telling you, Margate again. Such a class operation, class people that work there. So last year, of course, you're side by side with drivers, right? Every pit had another driver. Well, to, to have social distancing under the pit, there was actually a spare pit spot essentially between every driver. So you could have essentially almost doubled the amount of people inside the tent. And I didn't even ask Keith Freeber or Greg Dingus this, but I have a potential thought that maybe they just had to shut things down in terms of how many people they could put in the tent because uh, because it was packed with what, what they had. But you know, one of the things about the hospitality there as well, you know, you have a, me- a mechanic with every four cars, I think it is. 
you know, every day catered lunch. And of course, we couldn't do it this year. We couldn't have our little hospitality area we had last year with the buffet lunch. Uh, but Margay stepped it up, you know, box lunches for everybody. We had Chick-fil-A one day, uh, Chipotle the other day. I'm not sure what, the, I'm not sure what the third day was off the top of my head. I can't really remember. Oh, pot belly. Pork, pot, pot, belly, yeah. pot belly sandwiches. And then everybody got a cooler because of course last year, you know, a couple of big coolers full of water, full of Gatorade to make sure everybody had what they wanted. Well, you don't want people reaching into that stuff. So they had, everybody had their own personal cooler that had an apple, a couple of cliff bars, some water, and a, some kind of a Powerade drink to make sure our electrolytes were up. I'm, I'm just, I'm every time, just the whole Margate program, having known them for so many years, you know, 25 years now since I first met Keith Freeber, uh, probably even more than that. God, we probably, yeah, I think we're probably, yeah, probably 25 years, I think 95 or 96 for the first time I met him. Uh, it's just a class organization. And just to be able to be under that tent, and I just every time I sat down and grabbed the water out of the cooler or talked to the people up front, they're just so gracious. And it just, uh, I'm telling you, it's Keith and I talked about it, David. It's not something that probably could have happened back in the mid 2000s, but just the way people are now wanting the ease of competition, removing that barrier of entry. Margay has done more for the sport, I think, over the last three or four or five years than any other organization. And they just uh, bringing more people in with this Ignite program, just growing the foundation of our sport. I love it. Yeah, Labor Day weekend will be five years. 2015 was the first time uh, we were part of the uh, Ignite program at Rock Island Grand Prix, and and yeah, it's it's done a lot to uh, to just not only get people new people in the sport, but get old people back in the sport. Uh, saw Jim Fry and Lance Fry coming yeah. back to race in the yeah. Ignite program. Uh, um, who who are you? Right, Drew Drew, um, Drew Newbar. Drew Newbar. You know, drove eighteen hours to from yep. Texas to come up and race, and and you know he he can race anything he wants to, and he came and raced uh you know the Ignite package, and he's he sold on it, you know. Dude, he's raced he's raced Trans Am with our boy Mark Miller TA two right, uh, and I remember Drew Newbar back in the Scusa Promoto Tour days running S two on a DAP chassis with Kawasaki Power. I called him he was the Cincinnati kid. The guys run Trans Am. Did our did our hashtag support karting program? We he heard what we were saying. Went out and bought a tag engine. Didn't need it. Bought a tag cart and had, has done some tag road racing. But said, "I'm going to go try this Margay deal." And he's sold on. He's like, "This is perfect for me. Arrive, have a great time, do some racing, get to go home." So it's just, it's like you said, David. It's it's really done that for us. A number of people that have allowed them to come back to the sport. And and as you said, a lot of behind the scenes work that Margay has done with you know, especially this weekend. You know, they had, they were sending out text messages so you could sign their, their own waiver to be yeah. within the tent, uh, you know, at the coolers, you know, that's all that, all that little stuff that's done behind the scenes to make sure that when you arrive, you're taken care of from, from the from the first minute to the last minute when you, when you leave to go home, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and a lot of, uh, a time and effort put into it. Uh, to make sure that uh, the experience that you that you have is enjoyable, no matter where you finish on the racetrack. Yeah, hundred percent. Now, David, uh, what thirty six drivers in total in that combined Yamaha group? You were being, you were one of them as well, part of the twelve drivers in Yamaha Masters. Good to see the KT one hundred out there as well. Yeah, a little drop off in Yamaha Junior down to eight from eighteen last year. I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of these younger junior drivers. Uh, moving over to the uh, the new FK100 package that uh, that was run with the KA100 engines and the VLR engines, because that category rose to uh, 20 from 14 last year. But uh, Yamaha Senior stayed about the same, 16 only down from the 21 they had last year. Masters only down three from, as you said, 12 from 15. 
Uh, what I thought was interesting was a, a doubling as well of the stock Honda drivers. There was 12 stock Honda racers last year in senior and masters and 25. This particular well, race. last year was stock Honda. So last year was stock Honda this year because they separate, it was, is a different, different, uh, format formula. Uh, last year no, they no, allowed no. the, oh, that's right. I 175 right. engine and KZ engines together and they called it KZ. So, and then last year they had stock Honda separate. This year they did the 175 separate from everybody. And then everything else was in the 125 shifter class for both senior and master. So, uh, so kind of, it was, you know, it's, it's kind of a jumbulation. Yeah. They dropped a bit on the overall numbers of shifter, right? Yeah. So 30 last year in the senior categories combined, uh, 26 this year, masters had 15 last year, but up to, to 17 in 2020, when you combine both the 175 and the 125 group, uh, together. So, you know, essentially it kind of, kind of a wash there, you know, even, even though they kind of reorganize those categories, uh, in, into, into different categories, uh, different classes, uh, still kind of the same numbers there. Um, a drop off in the IME categories, 21 last year and senior down to 12 with, uh, IME masters down 15, down to 15 from 21. But the, the, like, as I, as I mentioned, the new FK 100 category, they introduced a senior category that had 28. So that, you know, as we're seeing across the country, uh, the 100 CC package is growing back again with the VLR and the K 100. And, uh, and I expect those numbers to continue to rise, uh, in 2020 and 2021. Dave, just a quick, uh, before we go to our first break here, a quick note to wrap it up though. What a shifter car track. I, w- I watched that, uh, the in, in car video that got posted on YouTube from Devin Smith Harden. Wow. Weren't they, weren't they say they were almost a hundred miles an hour going into, into the, the, the left-hand sweeper on the inside of the racetrack. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, everybody kept trying to get to that 100 mile an hour mark. Wow. Uh, I'm sure somebody had to have hit it uh, Sunday during uh, during that main event because that was just some some wild racing. And it's that was wild. It's uh, you know again as we, as we talk about, we'll talk about the track a little bit more. It's a, it's a road racing track. This was no. This was no. This made Newcastle look slow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, easy on our bodies though. Very very easy. Aside, you know, a few bumps here and there. Um, but uh, you know, you have you know, access roads that you're using as a racetrack. So there's a little bit of little, bu- little bit of bumping yeah. bumps in the, uh, in the access road. But once you get on that Indy GP course, I mean, that is smooth as glass. That's true enough. All right, folks, our first break in the action here on this edition of the EKN debrief episode number 64, David Cole and I going over the battle at the brickyard at the Indianapolis motor Speedway. When we get back after this commercial break, we'll talk about what we call the paddock pass. Trader Evans, Haddock, Pruitt, McMurray. Karting legends are created here at the Quincy Grand Prix. This is Randy Kugler, the voice of this iconic event. This year's Quincy Grand Prix was set for June, but the COVID-19 pandemic forced us to reschedule the race to October 10th and 11th. On that gorgeous fall weekend, for the 33rd time since 1970, competition carts will once again rip around the spectacular and beautiful 1.2-mile circuit set out inside the South Park of Quincy, Illinois. The 2020 edition of the Quincy Grand Prix marks the 50th anniversary of the first time Carters raced around this historic venue. To celebrate the event, a $10,000 cash purse has been established for the four pro classes competing on the weekend. A total of 11 categories will be competing for the unique trophy given to all race winners, the Gussie, designed and named after the original race founder, Gus Trader. 
Registration is now open, so don't wait and enter now at QuincyGrandPrix.com and become legendary. We'll see you at the park. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and safety gear to get you on the track. ShopAKRA.com offers a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors in the sport to ensure that all the latest equipment is available to you, the consumer. With customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price. Be sure to visit shopakr.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Also, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials, clearance items, and new products. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network in episode 66 of the EKN Debrief. It's August the 4th, and uh, David Cole, myself, Rob Howden, discussing and reviewing this past weekend's event at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the fourth running of the USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard. We're going to jump into the paddock pass now, where we'll talk about some of the little bits of stuff that kind of jumped out at us, some of the news that really didn't happen on the racetrack. And this edition of the paddock pass is presented by Stilo USA. As a world leader in personal racing safety products, Simpson Performance Products is now the official North American distributor for Stilo helmets. In addition to their popular auto racing helmets, Stilo is excited to have made their move into karting. Stilo has two helmets designed and manufactured specifically for karting, the ST5 CMR 2016 for kids and the ST5 Kart Snell K2015 for adults. For more information, check them out at www.simpsonperformanceraceproducts.com slash Stilo or by following them on social media at Stilo USA. All right, David, let's jump into the paddock pass. I think one of the, you know, obviously the amazing atmosphere being at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the pagodas there, grandstands all around us, you know, just you're there. You said the first, first things first, to come into the racetrack, you got to drive under, you know, under the, the tunnel and emerge looking straight at the Indianapolis Speedway, Motor Speedway Museum. Which is which is absolutely badass, but a new paddock space. I think that was one of the interesting things. We moved over from beside the dirt track, actually into the paddock, right behind the grandstands, right in essentially the shadow of the pagoda. Yeah, as you said, the the pagoda is uh, is the landmark of the iconic. Indianapolis Motor iconic landmark of the Indianapolis yeah. Motor Speedway, and the new paddock certainly brought us closer to uh, to that landmark and moving us away, as you said, from inside turn three in the grass areas there to uh, at, to technically what is behind the terrace grandstands uh, and, and behind the pagoda. Lots of basically where the USAC quarter midgets were at last year was our paddock. We used uh, the paved area along with the grass area. Uh, so everybody had plenty of room. That's one thing I noticed. Um, you know, everybody was grouped together with who they wanted to be with, but there was plenty of space if you needed it to be between trailers for, uh, for social distancing. Yeah. So next year, I hope, uh, you know, they kind of tighten up the paddock area. We'll be able to at least because, uh, there'll be no more COVID hopefully next year. And, uh, you know, so we're not so spread out, uh, throughout the, uh, the paved area because there was a lot of space that could have been utilized to put people together. But, uh, I think, you know, overall, because you're pushing carts on, on the pavement that helps, instead of the rocks and grass like we were like that. last like year. That. Hey, I was on the grass a little bit with Margay, though. I mean, it wasn't a lot. <laughs> I mean, come on. Bro. you. Yeah, seriously. It was 
it was like 10 feet that you had to push in grass. It wasn't much. No, last and year that, I was pushing in grass for 10 feet and was right there. I wasn't beside the paddock this time. And that, good. You, but, but the pathways last year for everybody was rock. And that's, yeah, you know, that's, that's not easy to do, especially with those European cart stands. You don't want to, you, you need a streeter to be able to get uh, through those things. That's it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I, it was very unique being there. You know, it made you feel more like an Indianapolis Motor Speedway racer than, uh, you know, being closer to uh, the grandstands, especially having the grid right there underneath uh, the terrace like stand. Dude, so, I, uh, I like that a lot. And, that and, was, and, oh. the, and the announcer's booth. I mean, that that view up there, you uh, you happen to uh, join Randy Kugler and um, uh, Mr. Uh, Caleb Smock. Caleb Smock up top there and see a great view. So they got to see everything. And oh, so they were yeah. able to keep everybody uh, informed as to exactly what was going on in the racetrack. Yeah, David, you know, obviously Randy Kugler and Caleb Smock, as you said, were on the PA and they brought it. They spent some money and brought in a really nice sound system that played out from the very top of the grandstands back over. And you could the it was crisp and clean. And a shout out to, to, to Randy and, uh, and and Caleb, a couple of guys. You know, Randy's been around the sport for a long time. He's been announcing races for, for a long, long time. You got Caleb, who's only 20 years of age. Young, just starting to get into the uh, the the commentary world in terms of karting play by play. He did a tremendous job. I was really impressed, and and I took the time to, to get up to walk up to the corner of that grandstand on the back because I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to tell them how great of a job they were doing. They were really playing off each other well, uh, and then I got a chance to see the racetrack. Um, for those of you who didn't go up there, obviously not everybody could get up there. Uh, wow, <laughs> uh, they could see everything and uh, just a beautiful view. Obviously, able to call from there. But David, that kind of kind of segues into the racetrack too. Big difference in the racetrack. Um, I think it became a lot less technical, uh, a lot more putting pressure on. Make sure you had the gear correctly. You were able to maintain a lot of speed. Gear going to hey, do you go uh, tall to be able to get the top speed? You want to be able to get out of the hairpin, whatever it may be. Bottom line is new a new track layout. I think they probably try to keep us off the grass a little bit. Yeah. Well. Part of it, the 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 first re- revised section was the bus stop area. Uh, the the previous course allowed us to go just a little bit onto the oval there, a little bit uh, where uh, the the oval and the GP course meets. Uh, this year we weren't able to because Saturday they had they had two seater rides uh, all day long, so that closed off the oval section for us, thus uh, kind of revamping that section of the racetrack and. And that section, it was bumpy going in, and like it. Yeah. and it, so it, but it was flat out, especially in Briggs. Uh, I heard talking to some Miami guys, you know, almost flat out, you know, uh, you know, if you had the uh, the cojones to uh, to get through there. So, uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. It so that kind of eliminated the uh, any type of challenge through there, really, because it didn't really separate uh, a, a the gap or or gap anybody. Um, and then last year's pit in, we had uh, some walls there to to kind of make for a tighter right hand corner. Well, this year it was just straight through uh, through the uh, what is the Formula One section of the GP course, and that was that that obviously brought the speeds up a lot more um, and provided again, as you said, unchallenging section, but made the bump drafting. And just drafting period, so much more important to uh, to get to that uh, that left hand sweeper. Uh, the right hander after that, as you get onto uh, Holman Boulevard, 
it's uh it was a little bit more wide open than last year but uh it's still a bit challenging uh bumps going in under breaking um but uh not as challenging as last year because as you said the the goal was to stay off the grass uh obviously some guys didn't (laughs) because you know racing happens and you kind of have to go off i actually had to go off in the in the uh, in the final there to to avoid a bunch of wrecks but um yeah essentially you know you're gonna have to go off in the grass in certain areas of the racetrack but it wasn't that what we saw last year uh where the grass line was faster than the pavement line that's it that's it that was eliminated so that uh that was gone but you know overall this racetrack was essentially a road racing track with a hairpin thrown into it and yeah that's about it. That's about it. I uh, I would like to say that I didn't go to the grass, but I did in what in the uh, Margate night final after I got I got spun in the opening hairpin. I got driven into the grass about three or four laps later. Coming out of turn one, I was on the outside and got driven off the track there. And then of course that in- incident that collected you in the heat race in Briggs two hundred six Masters. I had to go actually to the to the grass on the inside of the left hand sweeper to not hit that driver who spun around. So we, we you and I both about- had. Let's not talk about that one. Well, we're going to get a chance to talk about that, and we're going to get a chance to focus on hashtag Pete David Cole. It was awesome. All right. Uh, so uh, one of the things, David, you have on the notes, and, and it's good, is no scale issues this year. There was a lot of issues with the scales last year. Um, they had two sets, and, yeah, it seems to me like things were really good all weekend long. No issues at all. No, they, uh, you know, I, we tried, they had one set up early Friday and then added the, uh, the second one, I believe once qualifying began and, you know, I'm not quite sure. I think they had the, the top five finishers go on one and the rest go on another, or, you know, at least during practice or, or after that, everybody else could use whichever scale they wanted, but, you know, utilizing both, um, I didn't find any issues, uh, between either. Um, we didn't have any stoppage for for scaling to to wait for something to be fixed. So uh, uh, so that was a great hurdle that they had to overcome over the last two years was getting that fixed and, and set up right. And thankfully, they were able to do that. Um, and, you know, early on, I heard I guess people were complaining about the scales and I was like, no, no, they're pretty spot on. I'm 200 pounds and it weighs me at 200 pounds. Yeah, so uh, good. Um, you know, we, we even did, I think you did the Margay by itself and, and Keith Freeber sat right there and said, Nope, this is, this is exactly what this cart's supposed to weigh. So yeah, 156, uh, I think it was something like that. 156, like bang on. That's exactly what we expected. So yeah, it was good. Uh, here's one thing that, that came around the pipe. We all kind of, uh, well, it's indie, so I guess we can do this. Uh, three wide starts. (laughs) That was in the heats, in the heats and pre-finals, three wide starts. I qualified second in Margate Ignite Masters. So I'm okay. I'm in the front row, middle of the front row. I'm okay with that. I qualified 30th in Briggs 206. Outside of row 10, I was okay with that. I was never, I don't think I was ever in the in a middle row back. I was either on the inside or the outside. I think it was 27th and one, 19th uh, in another, which put me on the inside of row, what, where, whatever that was, inside of row. No, I was actually in the, in the middle there. Oh, no, I was on the outside again. That's it. Outside of row number what is that? Nine? It was, dude, it <laughs> Math was sketchy. is hard. Math, Math is, hard. is hard. I'm a writer for Christ's sakes. Um, um, interesting. <laughs> interesting through one. That's for sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy that uh, takes the blame for it. I heard about this about you, you dick. Go, go. Are you, I hear music. Somebody's playing music. Um, oh, that's my, that's <laughs> my, that's my, my, I have my phone off. <laughs> It was distracting me. Sorry. So I am going to take the blame. Yeah. 
That, that's kind of like how a lot of the Masters drivers were driving this this weekend. Oh, dude, no doubt about it. All right, Dan, let, let's not throw them under the bus right now. Let's go into the confe- <laughs> let's go into the EKN confessional. Yeah, can- I'm, I must confess, uh, it was me who came up with the three wide. Now, ironic. So I am. I was sitting, or I was. I just happened to walk up to uh, the grid area to see kind of how things were going to shake up there and. Rick Falks and Mike Burrell and Jason Burgess and all the other, you know, um, co-race directors or, or officials were, were all standing there and they're looking at, at the space and how to do social distancing for the grid, et cetera. And I said, we'll just do it three wide, you know, and then we'll, we'll sort it down to, to two wide. And then they got, well, what, well, it's Indy. We could start three wide. And so that what started the conversation right there. And as you know, Mike and, and Jason are very indie based and and love that tradition of indie and and you know they said well, well let's just start them three wide and I'm like well it is kind of wide enough isn't it and yeah. technically it is but uh, unfortunately racers don't see the whole racetrack they see who's next to them and you know it uh, it provide it, it you know once you put that helmet on it just everything just goes away and. Yeah, the concept was good. Essentially, you know, everybody gets three to four wide when you're going into the left-hander by the time you get there after the starting line. But essentially, uh, the officials looked at it and said, you know what, let's just go back to two. And uh, I think it was my Yamaha pre-final because we were towards the end of the order and they had already started converting to two wide, you know, uh, starting grid. So uh, it was at the end of the pre-finals when they decided to make the change. Uh, so, and then thus all the main events were in the, uh, the two wide fashion, but uh, it was a unique thing. Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to try it. They tried it. Um, some starts, I like, some starts I were cool. great. Yeah. Um, you know, when you got 60 cards out there going three wide at the start, it's a little bit chaotic. Um, but I will uh, say this, Hey Dave, I will say this. It allowed those guys that qualified, like myself, who qualified poorly at one point. It's a good opportunity to get a jump forward. Oh, have, there were a number of guys who took advantage of it. Number yeah, of had guys. You, had that guy not spun and taken you out, I, I got such a good run from, again, the 10th row. I, I was 30th. I should have been the 15th row. I was on the outside of the 10th row. I got a good run. Most guys moved to the in, you know the outside to set up. I was coming in. You know, that guy spun, you hit him, and I went to the inside. Like, I was really only about four car lengths behind. You started 12th. So I took full – I would have taken full advantage of it. And I think a lot a lot of people did because it brought that – it brought the front of the back of the grid so much closer together. And then we went back to main events. You start – if you start – as you know, Dave, you started because of the issues further back in the in the final. Uh, had we went three wide, you there was a good possibility you would have been able to get a better jump. Yeah, it would have probably helped me in the main event. Yeah. Uh, in pre-final it kind of did but we had a red flag so it kind of halted everything and we had to start single file which again i think we were going through turn one when everybody got the green flag so it really that really <laughs> sucked going that's going right. single file restart at that and because that that's one thing i do think they need to look at uh for next year is setting up a a you know i hate to say it but a, a starting area because it seemed to me that as soon as we got through turn two, it was gas on and go. So there was no slow starts whatsoever. It was nearly full speed by the time we reached the green flag. I think there was, yeah, uh, we, we were, they were, they were pushing, you know, I, obviously I started 27th there and we were, they were, I was getting pushed from the back and everybody was essentially on the throttle uh, coming at, not quite right at it. No, man, you know what? Yeah. Probably by the time we were coming out of two there, I was probably, we were probably on the throttle. 
Oh yeah, right. every start I was in, uh, I recall. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was on it. But the single file start was sixty carts. That was a lot of. Uh, I I couldn't even see the front of the field by when when we came around. I, I know we I know we weren't like that in in Margay Ignite Masters because I I started you know I started right behind uh, Tim Hannon I think uh, and one right behind uh, maybe. Doty and the other, or Doug, I would think I might have been behind Kittleson and then we just, we were super slow coming out of two. Like we didn't even spool up until we started making the right, the right turn. So I, kudos again to the master's drivers and Ignite, uh, especially you know, those up front, well, just ta- talented drivers. And there was like you, 500, each other? there was 500 years of experience of karting in that, yeah. uh, in that top 10. That's true. That's true. That's very true. And all the, all the championship belonged to Doty and uh, Scharf and, yeah. and, uh, and Hannon. Yeah. Uh, not, not over here. No. Zero. Hey, let's, Dave, let's talk about uh, the mixture of teams as we continue with this edition of the Paddock Pass. Again, brought to you by Stilo USA for this edition of the EKN Debrief. A really cool, cool mixture. You had, of course, Margay there. You had the Comet Card Sales dudes. You had Amax uh, Racing. They were there. Trinity uh, Carding Group. Uh, well, Power Card. Man, just a really good. You keep going. There's, just keep going with some great names. Yeah, as we mentioned, Mike Doty uh, jumped in back behind the wheel for the first time, brought his race team there, was convinced by uh, the people at OVRP and Tim Hannon to uh, to take part in the event. Uh, obviously, certainly happy uh, they were there. Uh, Checkered Motorsports, MGM had their big contingent there in the in the Briggs categories. Uh, Syntec had the big hauler there as well. DRT Racing with the DR cart. So a number of the number of big teams uh, that we typically see at uh, you know USPKS, SCUZA, uh, all the other WK events, all those other programs there. Um, and again, you know, if if we can get a lock on on a on an annual date, I think that's something that a lot of these race teams can kind of pencil around and and move their schedules around. Certainly, with the COVID situation and the movement from from the Fourth of July weekend because of NASCAR at the beginning because of NASCAR down to the end of July, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, if USAC carding is able to continue this event, uh, in, in future years, uh, that we, that we get an an annual date, you know, similar to what we have at rock Island grand prix or, or Daytona cart week, you know, something, you know, again, this was, this is kind of going to be that summer event that, that, uh, that everybody should, should check off their bucket list. Yeah, and, and you bring it up. It's called date equity, right? Just give us that date equity. Give us that one date we all know and everybody can get around it. You mentioned a lot of great big teams as well, lots of grassroots racers as well. We had a number of drivers that were pitting out of the back of their pickup truck, in the small, you know, 10-foot trailer. And we'll also give a shout-out to the guys with their brand-new trailer, Dave. But their, their suits didn't come in on time, but they had the new trailer there. Uh, the guys from Racing uh, Racing for Vets were there as well with, with the full squad. So it was awesome to have those dudes there as well. It was really cool to see. You know, luckily they were put right on the uh, the walkway and the and the driveway. Yeah. So every time I went from one one cart to the other, I was able to walk by. And man, those guys those guys were working hard every single minute of the day, just making sure everything was done right and and put together right. And you know, obviously, it just it took a big you know a a good team to put together uh, the the rides for for the five drivers that they had had there this weekend and and it looks like they enjoyed every single minute of of the event yeah no doubt about that now david obviously the iconic brick is what they brought out you know because the brickyard the, the the yard of bricks at the indianapolis motor speedway part of the the history of the uh, the track itself one at one point it was nothing but bricks um that's one of the big trophies they also came up with an award called the mickey rupp uh, mickey uh mickey rupp award now mickey rupp was really the first ever carter 
to run in the Indianapolis 500. And that's an award, David, that they give to a, the participant they believe who best embodies the spirit of the Indianapolis 500 through karting. Stephen Flat won it in 2017. Ron Peterson in 2018. Last year, Steve Killsdog. This year, dual winners and two guys that we love hanging around. Yeah, I got to race with one of them. Uh, you, I think you got to race with the other. I raced with uh, Tom Harlan. I raced Harlan. with both guys. Well, I, I, I guess I didn't get up quick enough to get up to Ryan Pickering, but uh, but Tom Tom had the uh, the great idea to run rain tires in the, in the pre final, and so he came back to the back of the field. That didn't work, <laughs> and that didn't work because it didn't ever rain for our race. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the, if you see guys wearing helmets around the paddock, it was these two guys because they just uh, they love it. Uh, I love the image that we shared earlier today of them. Uh, sitting outside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, trying to peek through, watching the uh, the GP race that uh, that was held over the Fourth uh, of July weekend. Um, but just and then their their body works, the graphic hits that that they both had, and the rest of the team were all uh, based off of of old Indy cars that uh, they were very fond of back in the day. I believe Tom's was the uh, STP uh, look. The Gordon Johncock, I think. Uh, yep, yeah, with the Gordon Johncock. I'm not quite sure Pickering. I think it was a Danny Sullivan, maybe. He had, had the Miller. He had Miller, Danny Sullivan, spin and win. The exactly. spin and win, exactly. Uh, so I had a chance to run with. I had a chance to run with Ryan quite a bit. I ended up getting up with him, and and when when Jeff Smith and I were coming forward, I mean uh, Jeff Jeff Hill and I were coming forward. I ended up running there with Ryan for a bit and was able to sneak by him. I think in the pre-final, but. Uh, no, you know what? Just two guys that absolutely love the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy 500. Ryan actually just lives just outside the front straightaway. He lives right there. You know, Tom and, and Ryan both spent a lot of time kind of promoting the race and, and being Indy 500 fans. Just two guys most definitely deserving of the Mickey Rupp Award, and it was cool to see that when things were all wrapped up for the day. Uh, all right, let's go to our, our second break here, folks. When we get back, we're going to we're gonna hit a little bit of a race report. Uh, then we'll wrap things up. David and I will talk about our own racing before we jump in to the can Trackside Live race calendar for the remainder of the 2020 season. Stay with us, folks. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Fast, fair, and fun. The Margay Ignite Spec Program offers you all of that and at an affordable price. The all-new IgniteKarting.com website provides you with the information you need to fuel your passion for kart racing. Ignite Karting is a spec package that begins with the Margate Racing Chassis and adds in the incredible Briggs 206 engine package and the American-made Hoosier R80 tire. The Ignite K2 chassis is for ages 8 to 12, while the Ignite K3 is available for junior, senior, and master's drivers. The new look 2020 season will feature a handful of major events for Ignite Karting racers, including the USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard on July 31st to August 2nd. Held inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, drivers not only race the historic facility, but they also have a chance to take a lap around the famed 2.5-mile oval and the iconic Yard of Bricks. All information on Ignite events throughout the country, Ignite Kart packages, and the dealers in your area are available at IgniteKarting.com. So get off the couch and on the track this year. Ignite Karting. Fuel your passion. Experience and passion. That's what led to the launch of AMAX Racing. 
Owner Charles Maxwell began AMAX Racing in 2015, expanding the operation in 2019 with a focus on driver development for drivers of all age groups and backgrounds. From top-level drivers to grassroots racers or families looking for a team that will help them achieve their goals, AMAX Racing can guide you with the absolute best trackside service at affordable prices. No matter the chassis, AMAX Racing welcomes you and has the experience to put you on the top of the podium. You can join the AMAX Racing family at the WK Manufacturers Cup Series, Route 66 Sprint Series, and local events around the Indianapolis area. The operation is also set to compete at the Rock the Rio and Scusa Super Nationals later this season. For more information, contact them at 317-437-5886 or find them on Facebook. AMAX Racing, all of your karting needs under 110. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 66 of the EKN Debrief. David Cole, myself, Rob Howden, doing our kind of review of the 2020 USAC Karting Battle at the Brickyard. David, we went through the paddock pass already. We talked about the intro. Let's jump into a race report a little bit. But before that, let me tell you the race report today brought to you by Comet Kart Sales. History, success, family. These are the three words that describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside of Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding new parts to their product line. Make sure you head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413. Be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Easy for me to say that, David, because uh, we've spent uh, last year with Comet Card Sales, this year with Comet Card Sales, with uh, uh, with Mark Dismore, of course, the Logan and Garrett, uh, Gary Lawson, the whole crew there, Colton Smith on working on our stuff. Always a pleasure to be with them, and I, I love driving that Comet Eagle. I love that card. Man. A lot of people are looking at them. Uh, obviously, Gary's success uh, over the last, you know, what, four years, five years since he's been with Comet Cart Sales and and just what they, they've done with the uh, the chassis program there with Comet and the uh, and the Eagle, not to mention the Comet Racing Engine program as well, too. So you combine all three, all those components together. It's a great package and, again, a great family to, to just hang out at the racetrack all weekend long with. Uh, let's jump into some of the races. We'll, we'll kind of go through the list of drivers that won. We'll walk, talk a little bit about the races that we watched. We're not able to do a full debrief, David, because you and I are running back and forth and working on our own carts or whatever it may be, moving from side to side. Uh, we, we'll start with the Briggs 206 Masters category. Of course, we were in this race, so we really didn't get to see a lot of it ourselves. Uh, Gary Lawson coming home with the win. Gary's just a, he's just one of those guys that's going to be tough to beat. I mean, whenever he unloads, he's a legend in the sport, and he's eventually going to find his way forward. Well, it was it was scary to see his name in the Masters category because this was his first year, uh, <laughs> at least at Battle of the Brickyard, because he's done it at Rock Island last year. So, so we knew uh, we knew it was inevitable, but uh, we weren't quite sure. Uh, so he decided to run heavy and Masters this year instead of medium and heavy, which he won the last both. He won both categories the last two years. So technically, this is his fifth brick that he's won. So he's leading all drivers now with five bricks of his own. Uh, winning bricks that is and uh just uh yeah another great performance by him you know we tried to hang with him in qualifying it didn't quite work out as we hoped uh but uh it was uh you know 
it was great to work with him because again, we knew whatever he was doing would work for us. Um, and, uh, so we knew we were going to have a fast package, but, uh, you know, kudos to him for, for going out and, and getting a fifth brick. Yeah, not, not, no doubt about that. Uh, Cameron Gruber, winner in the Briggs 206 Junior Class. And, David, uh, I was able to get up to the, the fence for a bit of it, but Elmer Edmondson uh, going uh, wins in both medium and heavy. Nice little <clears throat> statement being made there. Yeah, the young driver out of Florida, uh, I believe he just turned – or he turned 15 last year, so he'll be 16 here pretty soon. Young driver out of Florida uh, just was able to uh, to get the right pace at the right time on the uh, on the weekend. Uh, I don't think he was quite there in the heavy category. I think he came all the way from up from 12th, I believe it was, up to uh, to the victory uh, in heavy category. Both races, though, in heavy and medium, he was flanked by uh, none other than Eric Fagan, uh, yeah. a former Briggs & Stratton Weekly Racing Series top driver, um, both running in the MGM. So it gave MGM a 1-2 finish in both medium and heavy. So uh, great performance by those two drivers. I heard those those names were almost you know like one big name, right? Elmer Evans and Eric Fagan was like that's all I ever kept hearing when we were going back and forth when the, when those races were on. Uh, Mark Ignite Senior, we'll look at the Ignite categories. Uh, junior, we'll start with Isaac Wells scoring the win in the, the Mark Ignite Junior. But Evan Stammer, uh, obviously a, kind of like a Margate kind of factory driver, but man, he has uh, really shown himself to be uh, one of the lead four cycle pilots in the country. Well, he's got a victory at Daytona. He's got a victory at Rock Island, and now he can add Indianapolis Motor Speedway to his list of Ignite pretty victories. Nice. So uh, yep. pretty pretty solid uh, resume that he continues to build under the Ignite program. Not a bad laydown road racer as well. Uh, he's been uh, working <laughs> with right. the Folks guys, uh, brothers uh, here and there. So he's he's done uh, pretty well in the in the laydown categories here and there. So uh, yeah, great to see. It was a great race. Uh, I was right after my Yamaha race, so I wasn't able to uh, to actually watch it, but uh, was able to listen to it and uh, uh, ended up being a great race between him, Jordan Bernlor, uh, another former Rock Island winner, and uh, Zach Skolnick, who was uh, leading at the white flag, but uh, Stommer went from third to first on that final lap to uh, to score the victory. Yeah, Skull, like another guy you know is going to be in the fight for for race win anytime he, he gets behind the seat. Uh, when it comes to uh, Margaret Ignite Masters, it's interesting, folks. Those of you who may have followed a lot of our EKN debriefs here is talk about Mike Doty Racing, uh, obviously a, one of the top national teams, Brandon Jarsocrat driving for that squad now, along with another a number of top drivers, young drivers that have come through Mike's program. Well, the guy can drive, and I think he probably just, I don't know if it was a, kind of a bet for him to get here. You probably have more information, but he decides he's going to come. Tim Hannon probably beating on him from to, to come and have some fun there. Well, Doty was like a factory Margay driver back in the 90s. I don't know, no, people, most people don't know that. <laughs> um, but, man, the minute he jumped behind there, I was in the category that I was racing with. I was I was thrilled that I out-qualified him you know, in the timed run earlier. But, man, I knew when it, we were going wheel-to-wheel racing that uh, – it was going to be tough to have the chops to hang with Mike. He is just an um, unbelievably talented driver. Well, I believe you were in that lead group at one point, weren't you, Rob? <laughs> I ran second, baby, through the pre-final. Was it the pre-final? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, the pre-final. I, you... I pushed him handing around throughout that entire pre-final. Yes. I, didn't, I was not leaving my wingman. <clears throat> no, you didn't until you made the mistake. Uh, one mistake and, and then you fell to Doug Kittleson. Yeah. <laughs> And he then you fell to fourth, but, uh, yeah, it was really cool to see Mike Doty because I, I don't think I recall ever watching him race in the past. So I've seen him as a team manager mechanic, you know, he's very relaxed, but he's very, you know, very focused on, on getting the job done correct the right way and getting the job done. So it's a different demeanor 
as Mike Doty, the, the, the team manager or mechanic compared to the Mike Doty racer, because he was, he was not there to finish second. He was there to lead lap lead and laps. win. <laughs> I'm leading laps. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but yeah, big win from, from Mike. He actually uh, was in the hunt throughout the weekend in the other categories as well. That was, that was I think, the closest finish probably of, of the weekend. Too. Was, he was side-by-side side with Tim Hannon, right? Yeah, one of the closest finish. I, was, I believe it was 35 thousandths of a second at the line. Hannon tried to get him at the line. Doty led the majority of the race. But uh, Hannon just came up short at the line uh, by 35,000, I believe it was. But uh, a great finish by those two. Uh, so New York, 1-2. We'll talk more about the pre-final finish of Margate Ignite Masters when you and I talk about our <laughs> races. Uh, let's go to Yamaha now. Um, probably a guy that I wonder if you go out and figure out how many races he's actually won this year. He may, may have won more races than anybody else. Adam Maxwell uh, with Amax Racing getting the win in Yamaha Senior. Uh a good run for him, Matt Darlson. Uh, Darlson getting the win in, in, in uh, Yamaha Junior, and I should be saying David Call. I'm not sure what happened, but Michael Dittmer scoring the win in Yamaha Masters. Well, let me get back to Yamaha Senior first. Uh, Adam Maxwell actually was, that was able, a good battle at the end. Wasn't, right. He yeah. wasn't able to record a lap in qualifying. Something happened on the out lap and uh, started from the back of the group uh, in the heat race. Worked his way, I think, up to third. And then in the heat race, and then from there, just uh, was able to to battle for the victory all the rest of the weekend and and score that victory. Obviously, probably dedicating it to uh, the passing of John Martin. Uh, Maxwell was a uh, racing just getting started with the uh, the R cart shifter cart program there in uh, Indianapolis at White Whiteland Raceway Park. Uh, but uh, the passing of John Martin recently, so uh, dedicating that victory to him. But uh, I didn't get to see much of the junior race except for when they went by me. Um, <laughs> there were the top two drivers, Darlison, and I believe I want to get her name right here. Just a second, uh, but yeah, they—I know they lapped me in one of the heat races. I was like, man, these kids are fast. But again, you know that lightweight compared to my fat ass, you know, it's gonna, you know, they're gonna drive That's away. It, dude. That's uh, it. But no, it was um, Addison. Oh man, I can't say her last name. I uh, Nelio. Yeah, that's that's probably a good shot. Ionelio. So they were they were one two. Was she the young lady with the with the, the Rossi numbers? Forty six. Valentina Rossi. Forty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. But she actually they finished one two, but she actually was removed in tech uh, for a tech issue, so that uh, that took away that uh, possible podium finish for her. But uh, it's still a great run by her because they were they were nose to tell all weekend long, but. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in the Yamaha Masters, we'll just say Dittmer essentially nearly swept the weekend, uh, aside from a pre-final blemish that he had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about it because you got to watch it. You're a blemish. You're a blemish. I uh, uh, yeah. I, I look like a blemish. Listen, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to your race. All right. Uh, after the next part of the race report, let's go to FK100 Junior and Senior. Uh, Sam Corey with the win in the junior category. I didn't get a chance to watch that one. That um, that one ended uh, red flag. There was a uh, incident on the front that. stretch. Uh, right. Driver checked out to be be okay, I believe, but uh, red flagged it early, and they called it uh, because the race went after past the uh, the halfway point, and to uh, that was only the second race of the day, so they were trying to keep on schedule. Uh, so that race was called early, and Sam Corey was uh, was leading the way, so he picked up actually his second brick trophy, uh, winning. Briggs uh, Jr. last year, Briggs 206 Jr. last year. So he's now, got two victories. FK100 Senior Chase Jones getting the win on the Will Power Card. That was that last lap battle, was it not? 
Yeah, him and uh, him and Luca Mars were going at it. Uh, I believe I all weekend long. Yeah, yeah, they went at it all weekend long. One won the heat race, the other won the pre-final, and it was just a battle in the final, uh, ending up in, with a little bit of contact in the hairpin, and then a race to uh, race to the checkered flag. I believe this might have been the closest finish. Let me double check on that. But it was because when I did the race report, I couldn't believe how close they were at the finish line. It was yeah four one. Four thousandths of a second. So four thousandths wow. of a second separating the two at the line. Uh, one of the things you, you put in the race report, David, I thought was interesting. And I, I think, actually, actually do, do we now have the first brothers and the first father's son? Yes. So we have, is, we right? have the first brothers that have won at the Brickyard. And we have the first father-son duo to win at the I Brickyard. Love it. So let's go. Iami <clears throat> Sr., Finnegan Bale of getting the race win. His brother Gavin already had victory last year, I think, right? Last year for Gavin? Or two years last year. I want to say it was 2018 that Gavin won in the IAMI junior category. Yes. There you go, David. Well done. Uh, And then in the 125 shifter senior and shifter masters category, Josh Lane didn't 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 even come on Friday. Didn't practice. Wasn't even there. Wasn't Wasn't even even there. there. Wasn't even there. Ends up uh, immediately going to the front. The wild thing, scoring the win in 125 cc shifter senior, and his dad Lance Lane. Uh, the endurance athlete getting another uh, win in the shifter masters category. They're just, yeah, listen, they're, they're shifter, they're shifter legends in our sport and did a tremendous job again. And Josh is coming off surgery. He just had uh, some surgery on his uh, wrist and elbows to, uh, to kind of help with, with some injuries that he had um, not only karting, I believe, but also uh, motocross racing and snowmobile racing. But uh, yeah, so coming off surgery to, uh, to be able to perform, but he's a road racer at heart. So yeah. him and Lance, they, they love this, you know, hundred miles an hour, no problem. Balls to the yeah. wall, go for it. Well, Josh looked pretty good too. Didn't look as fat as he usually does. No, that, that was the comment <laughs> going around on, on social media was how skinny he looked. And, uh, yeah. I, I would assume the surgeries probably helped with that. Cause he, you know, he probably couldn't grab all the food he wanted to eat. That's it. It's probably been having like a liquid diet. It's for him. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, speaking of double winners, obviously the two brothers, we got the two, we got the father's son, John Crow doing it on his own as well. The Crow show winning in both IAMI masters and IAMI SSE 175 masters, a veteran driver. John's actually you know, back in Indianapolis working for Andretti Autosport, I believe. Uh, is he, is he with, he's with Andretti, right? Or is he with, with Andretti? Aaron? Yeah. He's with he's Andretti right and could possibly make, he could possibly be the only guy that's going to, win at the Battle of the Brickyard, and then work the Indy 500. And he couldn't, yeah, you never know. It could be in the victory lane with the team at Indianapolis 500 as there well. There you go. You never know. That'd be big. Uh, and then last but not least, you talked about the end uh, in the IAMI 175 senior uh, shifter card category. A.J. Myers on the Magic was leading uh, HMG's Devin Smith-Harden at the end. And, I, you know, I, I watched the video and I I, I – I watched the video before I read your report, David, and it seems like uh, it seems like AJ had an issue in the final, like second last corner or, or one of the last corners, right? Yeah, second to last corner had the uh, the rear gear spin on him and and break essentially break and lose all power to the axle, thus uh, putting him on the sidelines with two corners to go. He felt it going, you know, a few laps before then was just hoping it would last and last and last. Ah. Unfortunately, it didn't last until the checkered flag. But uh, but Devin Smith Harden. Definitely put the pressure on him all race long. So it was a great, uh, great uh, race to watch. It's up on YouTube right now, and uh, great to see him win a uh, another Brick Trophy. I believe he won the uh, in 2018, and then might I believe it was the 80 Shifter category that he won in 2017. 
And, you know, for me, watching the end of that after he scored the victory, which was just a complete uh, outpouring of the raw emotion, right? It really showed you what it means to win here at Indianapolis. That th- these guys run around Indy, right? That, that's what they do. This is this is their hood. And, and to see them, to see that team, that you know, and Devin win that race, man, just a couple days after his birthday as well, too. So, what? A, obviously, you can see the emotion of winning. Which is yeah, I, I, I love the comment that somebody put the willpower moment where he's just – you can hear him <laughs> scream. You can hear him screaming in the helmet as he's doing his cooldown lap. That was awesome. Yep, that's exactly that. All right, folks. Uh, one more break in the action here, and we'll wrap up this EK and debrief. We're going to talk uh, about the the racing I was able to do, the racing that David was able to do. How embarrassingly bad I kicked his ass in the one category, and again beat David Cole. We'll talk a lot about that, and then we'll wrap things up with the EK and Trackside Live race calendar. Right, Dave? Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Whatever. <laughs> Stay with us, folks. We'll wrap this up after this commercial. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs at many of karting's biggest East Coast events, full product sales and service, and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Carding Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one coaching to take you to the next level. We're also your Midwest home for Tony Kart and IAMI, and we're your source for MG and Avinco tires in the region. Tony Kart quality cannot be beat, so call us today to put you in a new chassis for your next event. In 2020, we'll be racing and providing arrive and drive programs for the full Supercarts USA Pro Tour and the Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge, the WK's Car Week in Daytona, and exciting events like the USAC Battle at the Brickyard and the Rock Island Grand Prix. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group has a long history in the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. Two thousand nineteen was a great year, no question. But the off-season is here, and I know that your mind is already thinking about next season. We all want to get better and improve our skills and our racecraft. And maybe you're tired of missing the podium or even the championship. So what do you do? Here's what I think. Take a breather from throwing money at the newest speed secret and a new chassis you don't quite need yet. Invest in yourself. Take yourself to the next level as a driver. If you want to improve your results, do what every athlete does, regardless of the sport. Get professional coaching. And in karting, there's only one choice. The Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, located at the -the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston. Alan Rudolph is a legend in our sport, and he's been a coach for over 15 years. The Alan Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for 2020 by calling 866-607-7223 or head to speedsportsracingpark.com to learn more.
Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 66 of the EKN Debrief as we wrap up our review of the 2020 USAC Carding Battle at the Brickyard at the iconic Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, David, you and I got a chance to do some racing again, head-to-head in Briggs 206 Masters. I jumped behind the wheel of the Margay Ignite Masters as well, and you pulled out the Illuminos <laughs> and a five-year-old uh, KT100. You end up having to rebuild the carburetor halfway through. Um where do you want to start? You want to start with your master stuff, your Yamaha first? I mean, we can, yeah, I essentially just was doing it to get extra track time. It seemed like last year I wasn't really comfortable until, until Sunday. And so I thought, well, if I, if I, what if I do two classes like Howden did yeah. he, cause he, you looked a little bit more comfortable than I, I did. did. For sure. And, and so it essentially, I think because of the way the track changed, it, it, I don't think it really mattered much, but it was still nice to get out there. And, uh, and drive around the Yamaha. I never, I hadn't drive driven a Yamaha since 2015. Um, and, and I completely had forgotten how much it screams when it's running <laughs> it at only screams. Tw- 12 to 13,000 RPMs. I completely forgot the sound of it that it makes, you know, you, you Let's, sit on the, you sit on the sidelines. It's a different story than, yeah. than inside the seat. Well, I ran the the vintage last year, my vintage Margay that that uh, Mike Birdsell built for me with the Yamaha, and I'm like, man, I didn't want to blow it up. <laughs> just, it was just scream. I didn't know what gear we had on. I didn't. We didn't have a tack on it on the vintage. I didn't want to blow it up. I dude, it screams around there. That's no doubt. And that that was one of my issues the first session because I had yeah. the gauge set up for four cycle instead of two cycle. So I essentially did a lap and a half and it came in because I didn't. Again, I didn't want to blow it up. hadn't 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 run the engine anywhere except sitting on a shelf for the last five years. So well, let's, let's set the stage first. Though. That's what I want to say. So, you know, we have this Illuminos four cycle chassis. We wanted to have a chassis that you were going to be able to have at your place to be able to run. This is a number of years ago. Rob Soros, we hooked up with Rob. We got you an Illuminos, you know, and you, you put the, put the 206 on it. You've got this cart sitting there. Your dad's got a Comet KT 100 sitting on the shop. You end up putting stuff together. You get a clutch. You put this package together and, and you go racing. You've never, you've never raced it before. You never had the Yamaha on top of the uh, the Illuminos. You qualify sixth. You finish ninth in the heat race. And all of a sudden, I, I go, you know, I got some time. I'm gonna. Wa- I didn't get a chance to watch. I'm gonna go watch Dave in the pre-final. Dude, you were on the move in that pre-final. Well, yeah, you actually had. You were done early because your cl- categories were in the uh, the early part of the schedule. My Yamaha was towards the end or end of the day. Well, by qualifying, I thought I had it figured out. It dropped dropped like four teeth from where I had started because, you know, this, the gearing was based on last year's track. So obviously dropping teeth, dropping teeth because it's just so quick. So qualifying was able to, uh, to get some drafting with some drivers. Uh, and it was only really my third session at speed. So got, got six, which was okay. You know, it wasn't too bad because again, engines five years off the shelf, get into the heat race. And it just, it didn't, wouldn't want to take off when, when they waved the green flag, and it just it just seemed like the power was off. So took it over to the Comet Racing Engines, and and he was like, "Yeah, I'm sure it's." He's like, "When was the last time you put a carb kit in it?" Well, it, I said <laughs> it's been sitting on the shelf for five years. Uh, so five years ago, <laughs> and so Mark put a carb kit. Let me tell you, it was disgustingly gross and and oh, all man. stretched out in there. It was not good. It was not good. So the engine came a little bit to life, but in in the uh, in the prefinal. But really, to be honest, it was just everybody crashing in front of me that uh, allowed me to go up basically from ninth to second, and in a matter of uh, you know a few corners here and there, 
and got on the back of uh, of Michael Dittmer, who I've watched at Rock Island over the last probably what sixteen years that I've been going yeah, there. Right. And I'm like, well, I, you know, Mike Welch is not around us, so I'm going to be his wingman this race. And, uh, uh, I, you know, it's, it's that Dylan Tavella style of just push, push the leader away from everybody else. And we'll, we'll decide it on the final lap. And, um, that's what we did. Uh, he did a little defensive lines here and there, but I, he was just terrible going out of the hairpin. And so I, I gapped him just enough to be able to get a good run and was able to edge out for, uh, for the pre-final win at the line. Scores the pre-final win at the line. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, main event time, though, didn't quite go as well. Uh, it looked to me, from where I was watching, I was on top of the Comet trailer, I believe, for that one. And it just seems to me like uh, third back to sixth, where you were, you got nobody wanted to work together at all. It was it was actually pretty ridiculous. You guys were going back and forth, left and right, dive-bombing each other, and that just allowed Dittmer and Welsh to get away. Yeah, it was a bit chaotic uh, in the early. I started on pole again. The I think the engine needs a, little, a, a piss in a ring because the thing just wouldn't take off once we once the uh, the green flag wave. So uh, Dittmer and and Welsh were able to to hook up right away and kind of get a, get a little gap on us. But uh, the rest of the drivers just did not want to stay in line, and essentially they were able to pull away early on. And so essentially it was a race for third uh, for all fourteen laps and. I had, I talked with Mark. I, I, you know, he said, if you're going to make any changes, go down a tooth. And I didn't do it. I said, I'll just leave it alone and, and see what happens. And I should have went down because again, the, the conditions were a lot warmer and hotter than it had been all weekend long. Uh, and just, I did not have the, the speed to, uh, once I lo- had any type of air hit the front front of the cart, it, uh, it bogged down pretty quick. So, uh, that essentially ended my race. I was just kind of the last couple of laps, just kind of sat back and watched them race for third. And lo and behold, they, they make contact in the, in the hairpin. And I was able to grab, grab two spots and, and finish fourth. Uh, obviously I was hoping for third. That was my goal going in, knowing that, uh, Welsh and Dittmer were racing, but, uh, so one spot short of my goal is not too bad. All right. So let's jump into my, my time with the Ignite Masters class. It was interesting because, uh, I, 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 I kind of just chilled out during during the practice sessions. Uh, my friend Drew Newbauer, we talked about Drew coming up, uh, first time with the with the program, and and I was kind of trying to help him get him to draft with me, and and he was trying to figure out the chassis how he wanted it to work for the way he drives, and so we just kind of cruised around. I I don't think I ran in the draft at all uh, during the first three practice sessions, so I was a, I was down in the twenties, I think, uh, for the whole time. Well, you know, obviously when it came time to go qualifying. I was getting a little more serious, moved my way up, uh, dropped the card in behind Phil Pignatero and said, Phil, let's go. Let's see what we can do. And uh, again, it was another, you know, Cole, you and I laugh all the time about uh, using the Top Gun references, but I, I was, I wasn't leaving my wingman. I was staying with Pignatero. We were, I was going to, I was going to push him. I think he had a little taller gear, a little, yeah, a little taller gear than I did. And I was, I was, you know, geared to come off the hairpin. I pushed him out of, out of, you know, out of the hairpin and down into one. And he kind of dragged me all the way up, you know, up the straightaways and man, I had no idea what was going on. I was just, I was pushing, cart felt good. I didn't lift, came off, and all of a sudden I hear my name, Randy Kugler screaming my name out <laughs> on the PA. And I was, uh, it, I was P, I was P2. So, that's, that's, it, that was and it was the last lap, if I recall, because I was thinking, okay, you're top five, you're good. And then, boom, you crossed the line and jumped right up into uh, the second position. And it was, it was kind of a shock. But as you said, you're, you're running with Piggy there, and, and that guy knows how to move. 
And, and as you said, if you get hooked up with the right person, like you can, you can lay down some laps and I think it was what 78 thousandths off the pole you were from. Uh, no, I was, I, I think I was five hundredths. Was it, it was, it was eight hundredths for the top five, the entire top five. That's Margay Ignite for you. The entire top five, I believe was eight hundredths of a second. Okay. Now I'm going to look it up. Cause I think you're go right. Look. You go look, you go, damn, you go look, pull out your race monitor and have a little look at whatever you're going to do. I got it. Speed hive. It was um, seven hundredths of a second. Sorry, for me. Yeah, seven hundredths of a second off. I was the top, right. the top five were nearly nine hundredths off each other. So yeah, eight, so eight, yeah, seven, Jer- right. Jim, uh, Jimmy Miller. Sorry, Jimmy, Jimmy Miller, Miller, not Jerry Miller. Uh, Jimmy Miller, Rob Howden, Nick Todentop, uh, Phil Pignatero, and Tim Hannon, all within nine hundredths of each other. Crazy uh, heat race. Um, what happened in the heat race? I think it's four both. No, I, think, yeah, I think I think I, I, I think fourth. I just felt I started I think I fell back a little bit. Uh and then whatever it is, I finished fourth. The pre-finals when I locked on to Tim Hannon did yeah, You, Tim you fell down to seventh, obviously, because you you like me, you have terrible starts. <laughs> wow. And well, I started uh, on the inside, I started on the inside of the front row. <clears throat> um but uh, the middle Well, you were in the row. middle, yeah. And I think everybody kind of went around you. You guys that settled. You right. guys settled in, and uh, yeah, it was. I think it was like a six or seven driver lead pack. It was actually the well, one. Of, it was a fun race to watch to see how you guys kind of negotiated one another. So I know that in the pre-final, after being told, but in the pre-final, I started behind Tim Han. He's on pole mm-hmm. again, just like I did with Pig Piggy. I was not leaving Tim. I just pushed yeah. him around for what they, they were. How long were they? Were ten lap races? I think ten lap were, was the pre-final. Lap. Yep. So essentially for eight laps, I didn't let him go at all. Lap number nine, I think it was maybe lap nine. I uh, I was coming through the the two, three combination that leads back out there. And I I was too shallow on the entry. I was kind of staying away from the wall on the left side. Um, and I just got too shallow. And it washed out of me a little bit on the exit. And and Doug Kittleson and with Doty right behind him pushed right by me. And I had to tuck back into fourth and, and ended up finishing fourth. All in all, though, I, I was pretty happy with that. I made a little mistake, but still being able to show the speed to, to stay in the in the lead group made me happy. So it was all in all, pre-final was good. Cart was good. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't sleep at all on Saturday night. The pressure night. was on, Rob. <laughs> yeah, it was. It totally was. Uh, I didn't sleep at all. I wanted. I was thinking about changing, dropping a tooth to go to the 56. I elected to stay with the 57 only because I knew – it was going to get me out of the hairpin the way I wanted to. And I could stay with the guys on when it got fast. First run down to the hairpin. I started my turn in light tap from behind and it was all over for me. I think I fell to 25th on the first lap, battled my way back up to 19th and then uh, was making a pass. Got hit again from behind in the hairpin. So I got bumped it around twice, fell back again. And I just kind of clawed myself back up to 15th. Now I wasn't able to go for the race win. wasn't running up front with the guys. Yeah, you know, obviously I could run with both Doty and Hannon, so I would have had a chance to battle for the lead. Uh, but I man, it, that the, AJ Roderick, who was working on my stuff, we went a little different on tire pressure, a lot lower than most people. The cart at the end was an absolute rocket. AJ had it dialed in, and uh, man, you know we we made a little bit of change in the Ackerman to slow the steering down for me coming through the, the inner loop. The, you know the, the the big fast sweeper, and man, it was a rocket. I was I was powering by guys left and right, and clawed my way back up to fifteenth. So all in all. I was pretty happy with the way it ran. I just, I know that bottom line is for me, David, if I get a chance to run with, with, uh, Scharf, Keith Scharf and Phil Pignatero and Tim Hannon and, and Doug Kittleson and Nick Todenhop 
and and Mike Doty and I get you know I'm I'm in there and I'm you know I'm acquitting myself and I'm not making an ass of myself and maybe gaining a bit of respect. That's a win for me. Big time. Yeah, it was it was exciting to watch. You know, I I don't get to watch a lot of the ignite races because a lot a lot of times I'm in them. So it was uh, right. it was right. it was really good to watch. And yeah, it was to be able to, as you said, race alongside those names that have lots and lots of champions compared championships compared to what you have. You know, you have the Oktoberfest victory from nineteen ninety six, <laughs> of what I believe was nineteen ninety seven. I beat Mark Miller and Tony Ventresca. So, I mean, you're, yeah, so you're 23 years away from your biggest victory in your career, you know, where, you know, Hannon won down in Florida, I believe, in the in the Ignite down there in Florida. You know, Chris Rock's a winner at Florida. Kittleson's winning in Nebraska every every month. Scharf is a SCCA champion, you know, to He's be able legend. to run. Yeah, and Doty's a former factory Margay driver. Come on now. Yeah. So, uh, punch, and, punch along with Vetter, not to mention Pete Vetter. A pistol. That's right. I was listen. I was I was punching above my weight class for sure. Oh, that's for so sure. Good. Yeah, you were you were the lightweight going against the heavyweights. Uh, no doubt. Now about. on though, that's where I'm running. I'm running with those bad boys. Now let, let me before we jump into our battle. <laughs> this was the one thing people were howling in that pre-final where I was with Hannon and dropped back. Of course, the, we come out of the line. You know, come out of the final corner, and we're all drag race. We're essentially almost three wide. I think we were three wide. Um, Kittleson, of course, had the lead. <laughs> I pull up alongside Hannon. Hannon was about four inches away. He's trying to grab Doty's bumper. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was the move of the weekend. <laughs> it, the, it was, he was so close to grabbing the bumper to pull himself forward. I was, and I'm trying to go to the outside, but I'm laughing my ass. Off. I'm looking over at him. <laughs> <laughs> it was the move of the weekend. I mean, we're oh all sitting. God, at, was... We're all sitting at the exit of the hairpin, looking down. And we're like, did we just see what we just saw? Oh, it was <laughs> I so thought funny. he was going after the spark plug wire. You know, that's, that's old. That was funny. That was good. All right, let's go into the hashtag beat David call, hashtag beat Rob Howden challenge and Briggs 206 Masters. Dave, first and foremost, we just got to give thanks to the guys from Comic Card Sales. It was kind of a late call to get me in there with you as well. Um, I, I, I'll just say this. If, if I there's carts I would buy, I would love to have that cart in my, in my garage. It looks fantastic. I love driving it. I love the seat as well. You know, the, the, that, the lay down seat from um, Beasley. Beasley, Beasley Fiberglass. I love that seat. Just makes me feel really comfortable. And I just love the feel of that car. It was, it was so much fun to drive. Um, I like the fact that we, I, I don't, don't want to say we outsmarted ourselves, but in qualifying, you know, you and I drove, you, you and I drafted around, got felt feel for the car in practice. You know, times were okay. We knew, you know, we're going out with Lawson was going out. Steve Knight was going out. Uh, Dittmer and Welsh were going to go out as well. You know, there, there's, we had this kind of group that was waiting back. We did the one thing, David, that we, that we get mad at drivers every time. Pulling out onto the racetrack and going super slow, everybody else trying to line up behind Dittmer and Welsh. That was, uh, I felt dumb doing that. I, really I, I felt like, yeah. And again, like I said, I, I talked to you after the session. If I would have been on the inside line like you were, I would have pulled out and just taken off because it was, it would, you know, eventually somebody would have caught me and we would have been able to draft or, or they would have drafted around us and then we could have got, gotten a better lap at the end. Uh, it, yeah, I because didn't get it, one lap. I didn't get one lap in the draft. It was essentially a, a, cl- a cluster yeah. because before we even completed uh, a, a lap, there was there was contact in turn what would be turn Last four. Point. There was contact oh. coming yeah. out of the hairpin, which essentially put you in the grass, put Steve Knight up in the air, and then just chaos ensued. So it screwed up a, a good chance at a good lap for a number of us. 
I was able to kind of sit back and watch the uh, the cluster happen in front of me and then was able to get through it without any issues and go up and, and draft up onto, uh, onto some other people that were ahead of me. So I, I was able to get down a good lap to, uh, to be 12th overall, uh, a 109.1, which was just, just over nine tenths of a second off what Gary Lawson was able to do is he was able to, uh, to kind of time things just right for him, uh, in that session. But it, it was the qualifying there again, because it's, it's all draft reliant was, was very tough and very challenging, but yeah, as you said, we, we should have just net, we should have just went out on our own and, and found, found people to draft off of. Or just bolted out from there and waited for those guys to reel us in. Exactly. <laughs> Cause they, because they probably would. I ended up qualifying 30th. I never even got one lap with anybody in a tow because once Steve Knight took off, got back by me, I couldn't hang with him. Um, uh, into the heat race, which was interesting. Of course, three wide starts at that point. Uh, you were on the outside of row four. Uh, I was on the outside of row 10. Big run around the outside of turn one, turn two. Everybody's kind of diving back to the right. You and I were still on the left. I could see you. I'm like, this is going to be a good start for me. Dave's right there. We roll through the corner and I'm, I'm you know, like you're supposed to, I'm I'm really looking forward. I'm kind of settling the cart in the brake a little bit. All of a sudden, I see the some guy spinning, and I see the big E on the back of your suit up in the air. I'm going to try to hold on to the inside line. The guy loops around, doesn't hold the brake down, and the cart just starts rolling back at me. And I had to go to the grass. You got a bent axle. That kind of changes the complexion of, of our particular personal battle right there. Yeah, it, uh, it ended before it basically began uh i was just thankful that nobody came through and and hit me again because again i started 12th probably dropped back to probably about 18th or 20th by the time we got to uh to that turn but you know knowing that you know everybody was going to drift wide i i was like you know what i'm going to stick to the inside here and it would have worked out had he not uh gotten sideways now i don't i don't watching the video again i don't think he got sideways on his own i think he uh, got pushed around and turned around, so thus uh, spinning him around. So I, it technically wasn't his fault, but he didn't quite hold the brakes as long as he as I hoped he would. And I made the decision to go right instead of left because I didn't. I I wanted to stay on the pavement. I didn't want to go through the grass because I thought if once I hit the grass, I was going to be done with. And uh, you were. I, I was. I took I took the gamble, and the gamble didn't pay off, and ended up with a, uh, a bent, pretty severe bent axle. But again, thankful that nobody hit me after that um, because I got turned backwards looking at, uh, you know, probably 20 more carts coming at me. Thankfully, everybody went around and uh, didn't make contact. Uh, Chuck Maitland got locked in with my wheels. I was able to restart him and get him going again. But uh, uh, yeah, my race was done. Well, I lost probably at least 10 spots, maybe more going to the inside of the racetrack. So I fell well outside the top, probably probably like the 40th or something. I can't remember who I hooked up with, but we moved forward back. I ended up getting back to 27th. So I actually gained a couple of spots. Of course, there was attrition, you being part of that group. So I was 27th. You were at the very tail of the field. So the pre-final, David, for me, um, you know, I was my I was on the outside of row nine again. So my idea was just to kind of hang out and see what happened and move forward. I was able to get myself back up to 19th position. So a pretty good advancement overall for me, getting a couple of spots, almost, you know, eight, nine spots. You, on the other hand, a much different view, starting from the very, very, very back of the field. Yeah, I, I, I think I could have got a lot more had it not be for a red flag on lap two, which, again, as we talked about earlier, put us in a, a single file restart. Well, I had only gotten a few, probably, what, maybe 10 carts at that time. And uh, 
the single file restart was not good on my side because as I said, everybody was gone by the time we got uh, up over turn two and I got locked up or I, I think it was Quincy Smith who I locked up with. I, me and him worked together. So we were able to kind of to move up to uh, the 34th position. So passed a number of carts, uh, still carts that were spinning off here and there. So we've got those guys and, and just, it was, it was a bit of a wild race. That's for sure. I, I, he had it on board. I got to see some of it. Uh, his fr- the camera on front on the front of his was uh, was not working. So it was cool to see the perspective of him pushing me through a lot of it uh, in the in the early laps of that race. So um, it was the cart felt good. There was a little bit of a vibration uh, with the clutch on the initial takeoff. So I'm not quite sure if that had any, any issues with uh, the overall pace, but it was still a pretty good run from 60th to 34th. Yeah, so away we go. I'm starting 19th. You're starting 34th. They decided again to go to the the, the double row start, so you didn't get an opportunity to jump what what, what would have been the outside or the inside of row number 12. So we've been a lot closer. Um, I think I, we I knew it the minute we got rolling first lap. I knew that I was pretty much where I was because I needed at least two teeth. Uh, I we'd asked Colton to drop one tooth. That was good, but man, I was on the rev limiter in turn one. I coming out of one kind of thing in the draft. And really, I couldn't help anybody. And the minute, like you mentioned it in the in the Yamaha, the minute I tucked out to look inside and got that air in my you know, on the on the on the front of the cart, I was done. I was just I was with guys and I watched guys pull away. Thankfully, you know Jeff Hill hooked up with me at one point. I was able to work with Jeff. Uh, John Ewing was in there as well. Uh, in the end, it was Ewing and and actually Ewing and Chuck Maitland that blew by me. But I, I think I fell back to like twenty fourth, and I raced my way back up to fifteenth. And you know, I just. I ended up finishing 19th exactly where I was. I was running, I was running 17th and no draft, like nobody to draft with. I had finally had one guy. I knew some guys were catching me. I got this guy. I'm like, okay, this guy's going to help me final lap. So we're coming out of two. I go around the outside of him. I got a good run. I go, this is going to be good. <laughs> I just kind of look over the right side of my eye and here comes John Ewing in the nine and Chuck Maitland. I think he's in the 14. They were a full head of steam working together, blew right by me. And Chuck told me when they pat, he passed me in his helmet. He yelled, book it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah yeah so i lost two spots in the last lap i had no one to no one around me to race with i tucked in behind chuck and i hope they'd wreck each other in the final corner but they didn't so i ended up finishing 19th you of course though working your way up to 29th again not, not a bad run overall starting 60th in the pre-final yeah i had to had to make a uh uh detour into the grass uh, at one point uh some guys went four wide into the right hander and two of them got sideways so it was like well i'm i bend up enough stuff not going to do it again and and took the uh the detour around the outside lane instead of trying to I dive, dive yeah. through all the mess so uh so i lost a number of positions there uh, i believe that was like lap uh three or four so i lost a number of positions i had just gained uh through the early passing uh of the early laps but uh yeah i was able to uh to hook up with tom harlem and and uh matthew uh burpo he was as you said we kind of we should have went down two teeth because he was essentially my extra horsepower he pushed me around that racetrack more than anybody (laughs) and uh we were able to knife our way through uh, a number of packs, you know, get, get a pack, pass through those guys, start going up to the next carts. And, uh, you know, just, you know, if it was a 20 lap race, we, we might've got into, uh, maybe the top 20, I think. Um, I think we saw, we saw your group and, and some carts behind you guys up a little bit ahead when we were going through the, uh, the left-hander there. But, uh, 
not enough time, only 14 laps. So we had to do what we did. And, uh, he, I was ahead of him the whole time, but he, he pulled the, uh, the old, uh, great, um, great, uh, drag race to the line and beat me out. Uh, the clutch just wouldn't, wouldn't go, uh, without <laughs> was, him, without him pushing me. So, uh, he you were asking, you were asking for more and it wasn't going to provide it for you. Yeah. So he beat me to the line for 20 for 28. So I ended up finishing 29th. Well, then let's put the exclamation point on the end of this, David. Uh, no, it's, a hashtag, no. it's a hashtag. It's hashtag beat David Cole, no, my friend. Nope, nope. You have nope. not beaten me in 16 years. You've never beaten me. Well, it's not say. like we've raced 16 years, Rob. So you can't, you can't say but that. No, but it wasn't even racing. It was any anytime we went anywhere. And you, you can attest to this, David. Anytime <laughs> indoor karting, outdoor karting. I was always. Again, it's not like it's been 16 years that we've been doing this, Rob. <laughs> all right uh, I'll well, you, hey i'll let you have your moment because my moment's coming in october i can feel it i don't know what you're talking about i was swear yeah you're probably you're not even you're not even in live timing because when you did your transponder wasn't working it wasn't it was working it's not on race monitor oh, it's on my right. lap so that's because right. because for some reason somebody wanted to steal my number four and thus all i know is it all i know up. is I've gone undefeated again. Another win for Rob. It wasn't a pretty win, but it's another win again for Rob Howard. I beat you at last year's Brickyard. I beat you at last year's Cup Carts North America race. I beat you this year's Brickyard. I commend you for your perseverance because you can only have your ass kicked so many times and not want to quit racing, right? So, Ekan trackside calendar. Let's uh, (laughs) move to that. Do you want it? Do you want us? Who's it presented by, David? You want to do this? No, go ahead. You're you you, you want to talk, you so you can talk all you want. He can trackside live race counter presented by hashtag beat David Cole. <laughs> it's actually presented by Miami USA East. <laughs> Miami USA East is the East Coast distributor of the hottest two cycle engine program in American karting, featuring the SSE 175cc shifter, the X30 K100, and Swift engines, which can be found at club, regional and national racing events. Miami USA East supports strong programs like the United States Pro Kart Series, WK Manufacturers Cup, F-Series Gear Up Challenge, the uh, the Route 66 Kart Racing Series, and the Sunshine State Karting Challenge. Finding info on our products and all of our dealers at IamiUSAEast.com. All right, Cole. Uh, I'm already here. I'm at the, uh, the e-karting news uh, what we what we call the Newcastle home base, Newcastle headquarters, our, our Airbnb here that we stayed at last year. I'm already here. You'll be coming in on Thursday. Do we got back to back scoos of Pro Tour weekends? Are essentially jamming the entire Pro Tour into two weekends at Newcastle Motorsports Park. A couple of different configurations. August six to nine for uh, the first triple header, three races a weekend. August thirteenth to sixteenth for the next triple header, all six Pro Tour races in essentially a ten day period. That that's the wild part about it is to be able to yeah. go from the beginning of a championship chase one day to you know, as you said ten days later, boom, we have a champion. That that's it's going to be a weird feeling to have six rounds of racing done just like that, and and not only that, but to have three rounds in just one weekend. To so we go back, you know, one, two, and three, boom, 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 like that. Uh, it's going to definitely test. Not only the drivers and teams, but the but the equipment, and to see, uh, especially going around the super mile track, uh, the yeah. first weekend to see just how how well these uh, these carts and engines are going to last over three rounds of racing. 
Uh, from there, David, a couple of weeks off for you. I'm actually well, now it's been announced. I'll be it'll be surreal uh, once again back with IndyCar Radio for my fourth uh, running uh, uh, my fourth time with them for the Indianapolis 500. They just announced today no fans at the event, so it's going to be absolutely surreal. Uh, being down there on pit lane to report on this. I know that obviously the TV numbers are going to be amazing. Uh, our radio numbers are, I think, normally 14 million people listening on the, on uh, the IMS radio network. So we'll see how many we get listening now that people can't come. You know, they're normally 400,000 people there. So it should be interesting. Hopefully we'll, we'll get a good clean race, but it'll be odd for sure. Uh, I'll go to Gateway after that for the road to Indian IndyCar. But David, you're back at it uh, with the ECAN Trackside Live program with the USPKS Badger State Grand Prix. You go up to Road America, Labor Day weekend, September 4th to 6th. I like, I like seeing the USPKS go up to Road America. They repaved that track. It's an awesome facility, and I think you, you're going to have a great weekend there. Yeah, if you can't go to Ro- uh, Rock Island Grand Prix, uh, I think Road America is a, a great substitute for that. And the USPKS program coming off a record-breaking event at Newcastle in July shows that uh, the Road America event is going to be just as big probably with uh, – a number of drivers and teams uh, supporting the program in 2020. So should be a great weekend up in uh, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. The, the rest of our EK and Trackside Live calendar, of course, Trackside Live brought to you by Cooper Tires. Um, we'll see. It's kind of in a state of flux right now. We've got events that we're planning on going to right now still. Uh, again, stuff needs to be confirmed. Of course, looking to hopefully finish the season off at the Scusa uh, Super Nationals in las vegas we'll uh, we'll see what happens folks we do have these races coming up we hope you tune in to ek and trackside live we'll be of course live coverage uh next couple of weekends at newcastle motorsports park looking forward to, to streaming that as we always do but david let's wrap up this debrief talking about the usac karting battle at the brickyard uh the largest cu- club race in the united states another massive success it was i mean in the terms of the status of our country and the world um, just, just being able to, to enter the Indianapolis motor speedway yeah. in order to have, you know, the hundreds of people that were there again, social distancing, wearing masks throughout the weekend, uh, doing all the things that we needed to do to, uh, to comply with, uh, the guidelines set by not only the speedway, but the state of, uh, Indiana and just, just to be able to bring everybody together again, uh, at this, at the speedway is just amazing. Yeah, shout out to Liquid Sky. Uh, they're actually going to be doing our, our new racing suits pretty soon. Matt Jasko and uh, Julio Rios, Rios, rather helping us out with that. We had our EKN busks, right? Our, our masks that we were able to wear. I found I found them super comfortable, and I wore it all weekend long. I'm, I'm glad. That, I'm as glad to see so many people really, really making sure that they kept their nose in there and everything, everything done correctly, right? Yeah, it was done. Yeah, essentially. Uh, I mean, it, you. No matter if you agree or disagree, it, it was it was a rule, and everybody, you know, aside from being inside your own tent or or uh, you know in your vehicle, uh, everybody was wearing masks, and then and it was great to see people following the uh, the guidelines that were set out by uh, by the speedway. Uh, we did have a few red flags. Uh, there was a, a pretty aggressive. I saw some video. Pretty aggressive wreck. Cadence Taylor was injured in the Briggs Two Hundred Six Junior Pre Final. I've actually stayed in contact with her dad, Stephen, and and he actually just messaged me this morning that there's a good possibility that Cadence will be released from the hospital today. She's pretty beat up, um, uh, but there's a good possibility she could be home tonight, which I think is fantastic news. And she's already talking about when she can get back in a cart. Which is awesome. Yeah, it was good. We, you know, we didn't we didn't exactly see what happened. We were right at the comment tent uh, when we heard the wreck. We didn't see it, but uh, 
we knew uh, a, a couple of the kids were were injured in the uh, in the incident, and uh, she obviously uh, was was one of the those injured. But uh, glad to see that she's progressing quickly. That's the great thing about about kids, you know. They, uh, they you know, as we were Flexible. talking about, they, you know, on the restart, these kids were just starting their own engines and jumping right back into the cart, and you know, <laughs> she'll she'll be doing that in the more in the matter of uh, of weeks. So that's great to hear. Yeah, it was great to get the uh, – it was really great to get the message from Steve this morning. Uh, so, David, bottom line is this. To cap it off, what does the future hold for 2021 for the battle at the Brickyard? I, th- I don't think anybody really knows. The you know the new ownership group with the Penske Entertainment Corporation, you know, will we, will we be back? Uh, there are a lot of changes coming with IMS, I think. Let's cross our fingers that uh, Roger looks and says, hey, you know what? Having grassroots motorsports as part of the action at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is something – he wants to continue to see. Yeah. And again, we have, we have a great, um, uh, I don't want to say partnership, but we have a great person inside with the, uh, the president of the Indianapolis motor speedway and Doug Bowles. You know, he was one of the people that were part of bringing karting to the, uh, Indianapolis motor speedway. He wanted to see, uh, grass. He wants to see grassroots motorsports at the, uh, at the IMS facilities and especially karting. Um, so hopefully, you know, things will, will just, uh, continue as they are, uh, in terms of USAC karting and, and the, uh, Indianapolis motor speedway. But again, we won't really know really until the month of December when they start looking at the 2021 calendar. That's about it. Well, folks, uh, David, we'll let uh, him wrap things up. There you go. Episode 66 of the EKN debrief, August 4th. Thank you so much for, for listening here and, and listen to the ECAN Radio Network. Uh, again, the USAC Battle at the Brickyard going into the books this past weekend. It was a tremendous, tremendous event. Uh, kudos to all the drivers that were able to come home with Brick. Shout out to the Mickey Rupp Award winners, Tom Harleman and Ryan Pickering. Uh, and again, uh, thank you so much to everybody at USAC Karting, Mike Burrell, uh, Jason Burgess, Rick Folks, the whole crew there as well. Of course, Alec and David uh, Coates involved. The, the Riggins family was there. Just so many people involved in making this event uh, as big as it was. The voices, of course, of the event, Randy Kugler and Caleb Smock doing a great job. Thank you so much again for joining us here, folks. Thanks to Briggs and Stratton for presenting this particular edition of the EKN Debrief. Lots more to come. Right out of this, folks, tomorrow David Cole and I will be producing our Scusa Outlap podcast, a preview for this weekend's Scusa Pro Tour Summer Nationals. Make sure you keep listening to the EKN Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.